I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Monday. Phil Mickelson makes history and made believers a lot of money entering the tournament. 200 to 1 to win it. 200 to 1 his backers cashed for. Phoenix beat the Lakers, 1-0 lead in the series. Big LeBron eligibility questions. If you look at the series price from here, even money. Phoenix and the Lakers even to advance. Bucks win a close one over the weekend. Try to take a 2-0 lead tonight, favored by five points, hosting Miami. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas Truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. the Vegas Strip. Here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm R.J. live on a Monday, live in Las Vegas, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. What a weekend of action. Long shots in golf. Series beginning with some upsets in the NBA. It's going to be a good show. we got about two hours of show. We're going to squeeze in the best of it. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. I'm the pro. He's the Joe in L.A., Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we have got history that was made in golf, we've also got the NBA playoffs off and running. What is the Vegas lead here on this Monday? Okay, we're going to go through the key games over the weekend. But first, I want to talk a minute about how, as a fan or as a better you are supposed to evolve throughout the series because one thing we know for sure is when it's a football game and somebody a team wins it's like oh that team's better Tampa Bay Bucks they're the champs Kansas City short not not good enough this year well if it were a seven game series in football that'd be tough might be a different story what we know is is in the NBA a team wins that one game Vegas believes the other team, the losing team, they call it the zigzag theory, has a better chance to win the next game. But when is it? It's always a balance between the losing team having extra motivation. But then there's another element, which is, wait a minute. If the team just won, doesn't that mean they're better maybe than we thought? Sometimes it does mean that. Sometimes it doesn't. The real question is sustainability. How repeatable was the performance. So other shows are going to talk storylines and all that, and that's fun. But we're going to try to say, hey, here's what's repeatable, or maybe here's what's not. Let's look to go with the extra motivated team. And Jonas, let's start with the Lakers and the Phoenix Suns. And it was Phoenix taking game one of that series, RJ. 99-90 to was the final. Phoenix up one game to none in their best of seven series with the Lakers. I, Jonas, the thing I like, one of the things I like about you, straight talker. I know you were, uh, if I saw correctly, you, you did the uh, 6 a.m. Pacific to 9 a.m. shift today. Is that right? 
Uh, three to six. Three. Uh, oh, oh my God, that's true. It's, it's six a.m. <laughs> yeah. East. Wow. Wow. Okay. So I might be able to get you here and, and, and slip a few past you, maybe. But I, I like the fact that you tell it the way you see it. We spent a big chunk of Friday's show flabbergasted, confused at the Lakers' Suns line. And to make a sh- uh, long story short, we felt like the series price was very advantageous or, or gave a lot of respect to the Suns, a unreasonable amount of respect. And we thought game one, which the Suns at the time were favored by three, it was irrational. And we said it again and again. Lo and behold, less than 24 hours later, comes the report, LeBron James at an event, and hmm, it's curious as even the NBA, you know, let's be honest, the NBA media and the NBA are pretty tight typically, saying, huh, it feels like LeBron, if he was a normal player, would have been suspended, or uh, COVID protocol, however you want to explain it. What was your takeaway on the legitimacy of LeBron maybe not playing in game one once the report came out. Yeah, I I thought he was going to play the entire time. And whether there's a hypocrisy or it's a very cut and dry rule, I'm still not sure how the how the NBA goes about, um, you know, punishing guys based on violating COVID protocols. But the the way that it was messaged was he was at an event. Um, anybody that wasn't vaccinated, they have to they had to show a negative um, COVID test. And I just took that when it came out late on Friday night into early Saturday morning as it's nice and all, but there's no chance that he won't be made available for game one of the NBA uh, NBA playoffs. Now, do we have an example of any other player doing something similar and, and being able to play? Meaning this feels like the first time we've seen this kind of thing. Not that I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm dizzy with the COVID restrictions. It feels like they're different in every sport. And so I, I yeah. can't think of anybody specifically that had the same incident and was punished um, you know, fully for, for their partaking in, in outside events. Yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that the NBA has been pretty strict, it seems, with their protocols. And here they weren't. I don't really care. All that much, though, I think everyone should be treated fairly. But here's the thing that made me feel so good. If you were a batter, a big batter, and you knew LeBron was at this event, and you knew by all accounts it seems to break protocol, it seems to be a violation, wouldn't that make you think, hey, if the NBA follows the rules, LeBron's going to be out 10 days, whatever it is, doesn't that answer our question about Friday, how the Suns had such an advantage or how the Suns were being treated with so much respect? Yeah, and especially considering you know his teammate Dennis Schroeder, um, he was punished for violating protocols. And Schroeder came out and said that him and LeBron James were the only uh, members of the team that weren't vaccinated. Um, that that was something that I saw. So yes, th- that, so, so that a is, guy who's not vaccinated yeah. is at a party in which the yeah. NBA has no idea right. who was vaccinated there or not, yeah. but somehow he was able to be playing and and sweating on the other players and all the coaches and all the fans. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, what's so, best for business, right? So well, I'm fine with that. <laughs> but, but again, I feel so vindicated. I was so like, yep, that was it. When I heard about this, it, it wasn't for me till Saturday morning 
Because again, what did we say? Something is going on that we don't see. The market is telling us that. And anyone that listened Friday, if you know, if you didn't, go back and listen. It really is. If the line doesn't make sense, something is out there that you don't know. And that's why we thought Phoenix was the right side. Phoenix won. And we're straight out of Vegas. I'm R.J. Bell. If you look at the series price now, the Suns are minus 113. Lakers are plus or minus 103. So we're pretty much saying 51% chance Suns. The market is saying 49% Lakers. Jonas, what was your main takeaway from the game itself? Phoenix just looked better. Um, the Lakers, I, I don't think LeBron is anywhere close to being 100%. Anthony That's your, your eye test says that yeah. from the game. Yeah, and Anthony Davis looks a little lost, and I just watched Phoenix, you know, pretty much dominate that game for the entirety of the game. And that was one of the questions that that we kind of threw out on Friday was, based on where the series price is at, if Phoenix wins Game One, which was we, I think we all felt more important for Phoenix to get that first game than yes. it was the Lakers. If they win Game One, how much is this series price going to change? And the fact that it's still only at that, and they're only just a slight favorite, only needing three more games to win in this series with home court advantage, um, little interesting to me. It it actually makes the point even more about Friday. So Friday's line was in the Lakers minus 150. Typically, if the underdog in that case wins game one at home, the line would move more than it has. Yeah. Why didn't it this time? Because the line on Friday had built into it the possibility LeBron would miss multiple games, not just the first game. And thus, when that possibility is removed... If they would have had the line, and that's interesting, where if you look at the game line, it was minus three for Phoenix on Friday. Come game day, it was minus two. So when LeBron was able to play, line drops, and also the price. Mackenzie, did we see the closing on the series right before the game? Minus 175 for the Lakers. Okay, now that's great. You knew that. So think about it. Line went up. What changed between Friday and Sunday <laughs> to make that line go up from minus 150 to minus 175 for the series? The fact that LeBron was certain, it seems, then to play. Wow, wow, wow. So you're right, Jonas. It didn't adjust as much as you might think because the 175 was actually the true line, and that adjustment is appropriate. And remember, on Thursday, the line was at the sharpest books, Lakers only minus 130. Again, that line made no sense. And it was another example, I think, of this COVID room, or I think inside information, quite frankly, had the betters betting the Suns. Okay, let's talk Anthony Davis. You brought it up, and I think it's the right person to be talking about. Minus 18 plus minus. Now, what's the plus-minus? It means when he was on the court in this game, the Lakers got outscored by 18 points. Anthony Davis on the court, Lakers minus 18. So when the Lakers win by or lose by nine, I think it was, huh, that means that the Lakers are plus nine when he's off the court. Anthony Davis played 39 minutes. <laughs> so in the other nine minutes... They were plus nine. In his minutes, they were minus 18. Anthony Davis, since he came back from his injury, is 21% from three-point land. 
21%. He's still shooting them. 44 attempts, 9 of 44, Anthony Davis from three. I, I mean, maybe it's just a cold streak, but man, oh man, he's shooting outside. And if you look at his shot chart, so where did he shoot in this game? He had four shots at the rim. And otherwise, he had six mid-range, four deep, but not three, and two from three. So when you only get four shots inside at the rim and you're you know, playing the center position oftentimes, Anthony Davis is drifting outside. And what happens when players get a little older? What happens when they're banged up? They settle for the jump shot. I think that's what Anthony Davis is doing. Did you see an unwillingness with the eye test, Jonas, to to get inside? Yeah, I just don't. And, and I think it's natural. Anybody that's dealt with the amount of injuries that he's dealt with throughout the course of his career, you're always a little bit hesitant because you're just waiting for, is there going to be another injury? And it, and it just feels like throughout the course of his career, something has always popped up. And, and you go back to the initial injury, and I think we discussed it on the show, when we when you've got an injury and they're like, we're going to reevaluate him every two weeks, that tells me during the course of a season, this is a little bit more serious and we got to play this a little bit more cautious than necessary. And, and we thought about, it, had LeBron James not gotten injured, would there have been a rush to bring back Anthony Davis when they did? And I just wonder, based on where they were at, they were slipping and falling down the standings in the NBA, and with no LeBron, if maybe they tried to get him back into the lineup a little sooner than, than, than they wanted to initially. And I just wonder if he's still trying to recover from this and trying to manage this injury throughout. It seemed like it. You know, I, I wonder if, if when LeBron was still out, I don't see any motivation to bring Anthony Davis back without LeBron. You think just to salvage the seed, do you think? Because it feels like they'd want those two playing together, but if LeBron's out, it feels like it'd give Anthony Davis a chance not to come back. Why would you think they would have rushed him back? I think they were concerned about where they were at in the standings because they were falling. It was a drastic fall, and and the fact that they still you know brought him back, LeBron came back for a short time, and they were in the play-in tournament, I think they were worried about where they were going to ma- be end up seeding-wise, uh, meaning they didn't want to be a part of the play-in tournament, and I think that's why there was a rush to bring him back. The minus 18 plus minus for Anthony Davis, second worst plus minus of the season for him. Second worst of the season. Now let's talk for a minute about the love of the Lakers by the league. The league loves the Lakers in the first half. Free throw attempts. 17 for the Lakers, zero for the Suns. Zero free throw attempts in the first half. 17 for the Lakers. And I saw uh, there was a dude on Twitter that tracks the NBA refs. I think it's NBA ref um, on Twitter. The, I think the guy's name was Kennedy. I'm going by memory here. But one of the officials for sure, the last 10 times he had refereed the Lakers in the playoffs – 10 and 0 for the Lakers straight up. <laughs> so, you know, qu- could be a coincidence, could be, and we're going to talk a good bit about these refs because I, I think I'm seeing more and more of these kind of trends. But, but again, as you look to game two, and in that game, huh, that's interesting. So the Lakers are favored by one and a half in game two. Wow. So Phoenix is minus three on Friday. The zigzag is worth maybe a point. 
I don't see what you could have seen with the Lakers to think, oh, I want to really bet them now. They should have won this game. Boy, that's a surprise. A four-and-a-half-point line move from the Friday line into game two. Does that seem huge to you, Jonas? Yeah, it, it seems like a lot. I, I just I, – I, maybe I don't see what other people see when it comes to the Lakers. I just think there's cause for concern. I don't think they're close to the team they were a year ago, and I don't think either of their best players are close to 100%. Chris Paul did hurt his shoulder. Yeah. So I think a small adjustment there, downgrade for the Suns with the uncertainty. And we do have history here with LeBron. When he's lost game one – Six of the last nine times he lost game one of a series, he came back to win the series. I heard on the herd today, the league average is 22%. So if you lose the first game, you're only going to win the series 22% of the time. LeBron has won it six of the last nine. Got to give him credit there. All right, when we come back, the Knicks, Atlanta, huge, but also, and very importantly, the Milwaukee Bucks, Miami Heat. If you're a Heat fan, you might be thinking, man, we almost won that. We're going to have a chance in this series. I believe game one actually looks really good for Milwaukee. I like him much more now than I did before game one. I'll explain. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Hey, let's take a quick look, because it's a big series, at the Clippers-Mavs with the Mavs going up. Yeah, the uh, thought out here in Southern California, I can tell you from a lot of uh, especially Laker fans, is it's uh, same old Clippers. Uh, the L.A. Clippers, uh, who were hosting the Dallas Mavericks on Saturday, uh, they fell to the Mavs. Dallas and Luka take game one of that series. So now Dallas holding on to a one nothing series lead in their matchup against the L.A. Clippers. Okay, so Kawhi Leonard, who has two titles, two different teams, in the fourth quarter, he only had two points. So a very close game, nip and tuck, and your star has two points in the fourth on only four shots. So the Clippers, as Colin talked about at length today, struggling late games for the entire time this team has been together for two years. Luka controlled this game, but not so much just with scoring, though obviously he put up uh, a monster triple-double, 31 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists, and his ability to pass, Luca's ability to pass, separates him from a lot of the score-first guys. Hey, he'll score 31, but if you double him, he's going to find the right guy, and the efficiency on that for Luca was outstanding. And, you know, this is something... I listen to some pretty wonky podcasts that get into the X's and O's. Sometimes it resonates, and this time it did when they were talking about the Clippers actually are not suited to double. Now, why is that? One, they got some good one-on-one defenders, but when they double, what you need is either rim protection because someone's going to be broken open, right? So there's three guys guarding the four other players. That's the definition of a double on Luka. Or you need to be the type to be have uh, frantic energy, diving in passing lanes. The Clippers don't have that. Rondo, I mean, they're an older team. They're a, lock, they're a strong team. 
but they don't have good rim protection, and they don't necessarily play the kind of like get in the passing lanes kind of D as much. And thus, they're either going to have to – it's a horrible choice for them because you either let Luka go one-on-one, and that's a problem no matter who's checking him, or you double him, he makes the right pass, and you don't have the team suited to double. What's your take on the Clippers and the likelihood of them advancing? And by the way, right now, Jonas, the Clippers are still favored in the series, minus 155, 60% chance the Clippers advance. Luka was the best player on the floor, and it got me to thinking, is he just the best player in this series? Has he already surpassed Kawhi Leonard as just a better player? And and if that's the case, we've seen it at times throughout the course of NBA history, where if you've got the best player in the series, there's an opportunity to maybe win some games that, that maybe you wouldn't likely win. And I just watched that game on Saturday, and I thought – there's no real answer for him because he's impacting the game at all fronts and he was the best player on the floor for the entirety of the game. Kawhi had his spurts to where he went on a little bit of a run, but it just they had no answers for Luka the entire game. Obviously with the Mavs, who's the number two? Porzingis not playing particularly well this entire season. Had a couple of dunks late, but it is interesting. Game one, the spread was Clippers favored by six. In game two, after a loss, after real questions, Clippers favored by six and a half. The line has gone up. Another example with the zigzag. The NBA believes that motivation matters a ton. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. On June 3rd. Paid for by NHTSA. Straight out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. We'll take our final break. When we come back, I'm going to explain to you something that happened to every top seed in game one. It's been a real negative for them. Will it continue in game two? Plus, Julio Jones, we heard what he wants. What are the Falcons thinking? I've got some insight there. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. And RJ, the NBA playoffs continue later on tonight. We've got a doubleheader on TNT. We discussed the Heat and the Bucks earlier. You can check out that analysis on the podcast of FoxSportsRadio.com. But we also have the Trailblazers at the Nuggets. That's a 10 p.m. Eastern time tip. Right now, after losing game one to Portland, Denver is a two-point favorite on pregame.com. Okay, I'm going to go with a pick on this game. And I do find it interesting, though, if you look at the top seeds, all eight of them that's played so far, every one of them shot significantly worse from three than they did during the season. On average, the top eight seeds, their average three-point make percentage on the season was 39%. In game one, so eight different game ones, 27%. 12 percentage points worse. Every one of them was worse than their season average. By the way, the worst team in the NBA, the Cavs, shot 34% from three. So literally, 
they're seven percentage points below. Now, why would that be? Why would home teams, the rested teams, shoot worse? I don't know. I don't think it, it's something that's repeatable. If anything, it makes you think, you know, I'm not going to believe a lot of those upsets when there were an upset. Now, some cases, I think the upsets by the underdog in game one were valid. Other cases, not. That's the trick. This is a make-or-miss league. If a team plays well and just misses her threes, that's random. If a team play has problems otherwise is when you want to really zero in. So let's segue to the Nuggets and the Blazers. I think the Blazers are a good pick here. I'm going to make it a pizza bet, which means bet if you want to bet it, bet about as much as you cost for a pizza. Now, different people get different pizzas, so you decide what you bet. I like faux gras on mine. Not really, but, you know, my pizza bets are kind of big. Why do I like and, – and let me be clear here. I, I, I hope I said it right because now I'm thinking I did. I like Portland here. Did I say Portland to start with? You did. Good. Yeah. I hate the idea of saying the Nuggets, and someone's like, bet it already. It's like, I'm mad at you. The Blazers, and here's why. If you look at the Joker, MVP season for sure, and let's give the guy credit, and it looked like the team did really well after Murray got hurt. But you know what? They didn't do as well as they seemed. They were, they were winning games, tight games, but they weren't covering. They were falling short of expectation. That's fine. That's no big deal. But Portland was actually kind of the opposite. They lost a bunch of close games, and they won big. So if you look at Portland over the last 15 or so games, they're actually much better than people think. And then what we saw was Dame is on a mission. Dame time, as they say. Look at his number of assists. So the Joker, who's supposed to be a great passing big man, has one assist. One assist. And Dame has like 12, which was a season high. So to me... Usually you might see a letdown in game two, and that's kind of reasonable if you won game one. I think Dame's thinking, no, let's keep this thing rolling. I think that Portland has had such frustrations in the playoffs. You're not going to see a letdown. And I think Denver isn't as good as they seem. The fact they lost their you know, key score other than the Joker, and everyone's kind of now saying, well, maybe it doesn't matter. Michael Porter Jr. No, I think it matters. Blazers plus two. There's two and a half out there. Pizza bat. What do you think, Jonas? No, I like it. I think Denver's in trouble. Uh, I, I was thinking about which higher seeds that lost uh, the opener are in the most trouble. And to me, it's Denver by far and away, number one. And then I would also, you know, maybe throw Utah in there as well, too, because it, it felt like, you know, Donovan Mitchell missing a playoff game. You know, that to me screams that there, there's maybe this injury is, is something that's lingering longer than they thought. But I think Denver's in trouble. The loss of Jamal Murray, I think, was evident in game one. And Dame Lillard has shown, especially in the postseason, he's fearless and, and he's, he's ready to go off at any moment. I don't agree with you on the Jazz. I do think that the late scratch is, is cause for a little concern. But the Jazz shot 12 of 47 from three, second worst mark of the season. Can't expect that. That feels like one that, that, that gets back to the norm. By the way, is I was talking about Julio Jones and the Falcons. There's just some confusion about this, I think, because they're thinking, wait a minute, you re-sign my, or restructure Matt Ryan for two more years of commitment. It's almost impossible to cut him or trade him in those two years due to the salary cap. 
And then you think about the idea of saying, well, that seems like they're making one last go of it. Why would they trade Julio Jones? Don't forget, the restructure of Matt Ryan actually helped them significantly, the Falcons, on the cap this year. It wasn't so much they wanted to keep him. If they didn't restructure, they had big problems this year. So now trading Julio Jones will help them on the cap. So both moves, Matt Ryan being restructured and Julio Jones being traded, are both cap positive for the Falcons this year, and they need that. We are straight out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio, and we want to let you know we are brought to you by NHTSA. There's no such thing as a good excuse for not buckling up. Law enforcement are writing tickets, so why take the risk? Do the smart thing and start buckling up every trip, day or night. Click it or ticket paid for by NHTSA. If you missed any of today's show, including a deep dive into both NBA playoff games and a pick in the Blazers and the Nuggets, you can check out the podcast at FoxSportsRadio.com. We're back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on FSR. Right out of Vegas! Vegas!